Wait till you see some of the crop that gets into this place. Just wait. <laughs> Just wait. I was waiting to see. Speaking of waiting, I was waiting to see if you were going to start the podcast with your microphone up in the air or by your mouth. I'm getting better. I'm getting you, better. You snapped in. You snapped into place. I'm growing. There. I'm growing a little bit. Yes, we're live from the Genesee County uh, Correctional Facility <laughs> once again, except this time they've given Brandon a room with a window so he can see a little uh, bit of nature. While he continues to rehab and recover, dude, is this is this what the county jail looks like? Because if so, I might have to pull off a little hit and run or something. I don't know. This, this is pretty nice in here. No, I'm uh, sure you'll think of something to get picked up on. For those who are a little bit curious about my backdrop, we are uh, we are without internet at the uh, Brown household tonight. I don't know if it was. There's been some kind of shady weather going through the area. I don't know if something got knocked out or what, but there. There is no internet at my house currently, so I popped over here to the old Ipsy County Library. So here you are. Here we are inside the beautiful. Actually, it is. It is a. If if anybody's ever seen it out in Ipsy, it is a. It is quite a spectacle for a library. And uh, yeah, I like the. Uh, I like the green background. The drop. The uh, the backdrop that I have it's right pretty. there. So, it's yeah, pretty. look at. We got kind of two two brick walls like. Like are coming together yeah, right yeah, there. It's almost like my brick wall is meeting your brick wall. Can you hear me? I don't. I, okay. All right. We're losing people. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Um, well, I'll throw that out there real quick, uh, Montrell, because we just found this out, Chris. I don't even know if you saw the email. I was trying to get this I all did set see up. I know you were I did see the email getting set up as well. But tomorrow, the Michigan football team is going to be at like four different locations throughout the city of Flint. Um, just doing different things, volunteering their time, different activities, and they are going to the jail is one of the things that they're going to be doing. Not so yours though, right? Not where I'm at currently. Okay. I'm going to see if I can get a work release tomorrow and tag along a little bit and stuff. <laughs> no, they're they're going to be in Flint. They're doing this state of Michigan tour. They're going to be in Flint. They're doing some stuff in Detroit. They're doing some stuff way up north. They're doing some stuff on the west side. So they're going to be all over the map and uh yeah, so tomorrow we literally just got the email. It just came across the ticker as Chris and I were getting set up for the podcast. So four different uh, four different stops tomorrow, which I assume means that like the team's going to be split, right? Because some of the some of the things are going on at the exact same time in different locations. Yeah, and even if they, I mean, even the way the timing works out, it would have to be pretty quick to get from one location to the next. So yeah, I would assume that they're going to kind of split up, divide and conquer for sure. But they'll be all over the city of Flint. No question. City of Flint, man. Get Flint town, Flint town, Flint town. I had if to do it. Nobody knows. I oh, had to do it. it. See, I didn't. I didn't have an opportunity to get that drop prepared, or it definitely would. Damn it, for the Dayton family. But how do we uh, not have Dayton family on drop? Yeah, already? we probably should have that already. That's a. That's that's our bad. Instead, we've got this. Hello. <laughs> I mean, if you're not going to go Dayton family, go with Lionel Richie. That's what I. They're practically one in the same. One and the same. All right. So that's going on tomorrow. Chris and I, uh, actually, we need to kind of conference about what we're going to do with anything with that because it did just come across the board there. And there's a, some opportunities for the media to get B-roll and do some interviews and do some nothing like that. 12 anyway. hour heads up. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that after we're done here. Uh, but one thing that we did attend and we did get a lot of B-roll, we got a chance to mix and mingle with the players on one of the coolest stages I think you could even dream up uh, for the whole day. I mean, Chris, what were we out there? Eight or nine hours in yeah, Grand Ledge it was a at full the day. Uh, Michigan Army National Guard base there. And uh, I mean, dude, it was just a, it was just an incredible day. I mean, you put out an awesome video. We saw the footage of the choppers. We went over the big house. We went over Spartan Stadium. It was incredible. Just incredible from start to finish. Yeah, I it's weird, man. Cause I feel like every time we do something like this, where 
you know, we were at the big 10 championship game or we were at the college football playoff on the sideline, or we're, you know, 5,000 or 500 feet up in the air in a Chinook, I should say. Every time that we're in one of those situations, I just find myself feeling so like blown away that I'm there, but also grateful for why I'm there. And, and I, when I was up there in the Chinook, I fully realized that if not for the people that follow the winged helmet and, and the, the activity that we have here and the people that participate in what we do, we're not there. We're not participating in things like that. So it was an experience that I'll never forget. I will tell my grandchildren about it. I'm sure I will tell the same stories over and over, but to, to be up in a helicopter like that with the Michigan football team on that kind of aircraft, and then be able to, to make that round trip journey from Grand Ledge to Ann Arbor was something special, man. And we found out when we were talking to some of these guys in the army that it's not like these guys have like Chinooks and Blackhawks out in the parking lot. And whenever they want to go up and see the sites, they just take one up. Like there's a lot of planning and preparation that has to go into that. And so huge event, kudos to them, uh, Jared Johnson and the whole group over there really know what they're doing. They, they put a lot of thought. I was fortunate enough to be able to see some of the planning before the actual event took place. So be able to get in and listen to the, these guys talk a little bit about what they wanted to do. And look, they're, they're the greatest at what they do for a reason. And I think you spend some time around these guys and you can see it. They're just the way they communicate with each other, the energy they have, the passion they have for what they're doing. Um, it was, it was something special to see, man. And, and I'm grateful to be a part of it. Chris, you know, we've talked about, um, that I haven't gone through phases in my life, right? We've had this discussion before you and I that I've been pretty even keel. I mean, you you used to do the 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 big jink uh, the big jinko pants and the guy jinkos airwalks the bowl yeah. cut yeah bowl cut never really did any of that. But now in 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 the span of like four or five days, I've now taken a trip on a Chinook with the National Guard. I came home to watch the thunder over Michigan, the Blue Angels and the fighter jets just ripping around my house. We went and posted up in a parking lot and watched them. And then I went and saw Top Gun. So I'm I'm pretty sure like I'm basically becoming like a fighter pilot. I just I'm just kind of just kind of figuring it out here at 38 years old. I but, also uh, saw saw Top Gun after the experience. And even in the movie theater, I felt like I was like explaining to my wife, like, okay, well, here's what's going on on the aircraft one. carrier. Yeah. They're gonna turn on the afterburners a little bit, you know, because you just I don't know, man. You you get up in the air with those guys and it changes you. It does something to your DNA. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was just a really, really cool day. And to kind of, to kind of piggyback on what Chris just said, we learned while we were there that there's like dudes in the military who have been member, you know, active service members for 15, 20, 25 years and have never gone up in a Chinook. And Chris yeah. and I, you know, just two dudes out there got to go. And not only did we get to go, we spent over a, like an hour and a half on one of these things, like a round trip flight from Grand Ledge to Ann Arbor and back with different kinds of maneuvers in the banking so we could see the stadium as we went around. And it, I mean, it was, it was just, I wasn't really sure how I was going to react to be honest. Cause I'm not a big fan of flying. I can't stand heights, but there was something about that helicopter and being able to the open air. I mean, wide open windows as big as this table where you're, you could just lean out over there. I mean, yeah. shit, Chris is hanging out the back end of the thing, which is a garage door. Essentially. He's just tethered to the ground, but he's wide open over the back of the helicopter. And what's crazy yeah. is I'm terrified. Well, I terrified might be strong. I have a fear of flying. I don't like, I, I don't like the whole takeoff landing portion. Usually when we're up in the air, I'm okay. But that whole, takeoff landing thing when you're in a jet just isn't for me. It's not my kind of thing, but for some odd reason, man, on those helicopters, I think part of it was we got to interact. We knew the guys that were going to be flying us beforehand. And you talk to these guys for 30 seconds, you know, like, Oh shit, I feel comfortable with that guy flying my aircraft. Um, but just sitting out on that gate in the wide open, you know, the wide open airspace with all like the, the wind flowing around. I, you know, it was just, uh, I think I was just so blown away and, and so, in awe of what I was seeing that I didn't even have time to be afraid. But like I said, grateful, grateful man, that we were able to take part in that and that the football team was able to do that. And, and they run one hell of an operation out there. I didn't even know that place was out in grand ledge, but if, if, if shit pops off and, and, and we need to send some, uh, some equipment somewhere, they've got it in grand ledge. So we are, uh, we're, we're, we're pretty well protected hands. here in the great state of Michigan. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. And it, it was really funny, man. I mean, we're, you know, the whole team went up. I mean, Chris was on, Chris was on C1. C1. I was on C3. There were five Blackhawks and another Chinook. So Chris and I weren't on the same chopper together. 
And obviously the team is split up just kind of randomly. So you're on there with kind of a different mix of guys. And dude, I'm sitting next to six foot seven, 280 pound Mike Morris. And at one point the, the pilot purposely, and you said you saw this. I saw it, game, I saw it go down. Dropped. I don't know how many feet. It felt like a lot from the inside. And I put up a video of it. And honestly, from the inside of the chopper, it didn't look like much visually. You couldn't see like a big drop. But it it felt like we were floating up out of our seats, and if we not if we had not been buckled in, we might have went all the way to the ceiling. And Mike Mike Morris grabs onto me like a like I'm you know like I'm the dad, and he, I'm like, dude, you're three times my size. But well, like, you practically are the dad in that. In I, that I in that in that age comparison, yes. But it was just it was just really cool to see. And then you've got Trente Jones sitting across from me. He's freaking out when they did. It was just it was awesome. It yeah. was an awesome time, and uh, you know I. I Something I'll never forget. I think that's the best way you can put it. I didn't, you know, didn't think I'd ever be able to do anything like that. And the fact that we did it for as long as we did it with the Michigan football team, got to turn it into a bunch of really cool content. Um, really, really cool. And uh, I saw somebody ask earlier about um, the the actual deal itself. And like, I don't know if any details have come out about that. And I'm not sure if we're really at liberty to say right now what that might look like. I think there's supposed to be a more formal announcement in about a week and a half, right? Chris, am I, am I speaking out of line there? Yeah, I'm not, I'm, well, I'm not sure if they're going to announce, um, like the, you know, the, the, yeah, the, yeah. the specifics, but I, I know that there were a handful of guys that I think were, were sort of intertwined in the NIL portion of it. And I think for the rest of the football team, it was just come out and be a part of the spectacular event. So I don't think every single player that was there got paid. I think there's about, maybe five or six players that were a part of that. But yeah, I think more details will come out here in about a week or so. So there you go. I mean, we could talk about that all day. Chris and I did. I mean, you know, we spent time together after it was over and just couldn't really believe what we got to do. And we put out a bunch of pictures, like 150, 150 photo photo gallery we put up right, right when we got back. And Chris put up the video and we've been putting up pictures and high-ranking military officials speaking to the team. There's video of that. Ben Herbert talked to the team, video of that. Can I say something about Ben Herbert? Let's hear that, it. That dude on a military base is like, uh, what, name two things that go together really well, and, and that's Ben Herbert on a military base. That guy got off the bus. I think he was rocking the Pit Vipers too or something pretty damn similar to it. But you talk about a guy that doesn't put up with any bullshit, a no-nonsense guy. That's Ben Herbert, and that guy just looked real at home on the military base. So I don't know what his background is, but, man, I, there's that one picture I took of him where I think maybe somebody – it was during one of the meetings, I think maybe somebody's phone was going off or somebody, and it looks like he's about ready to just get in you. So, I mean, real impressed with that guy. Again, that's another guy that, you know, we got to see up close and personal, and I was just really impressed by the way he carries himself. I will say, I mean, it's not like I've been around a lot of them, but I've seen different things. Strength and conditioning coaches are just different animals. They are, they're basically Marines who aren't in the military is like a good way to describe it. They're yeah. just, they are live wires from the time, you know, these are the kind of guys that go to bed at 8 p.m., get up at 4 a.m. Like, what the hell's wrong with you guys? <laughs> and they're ready to just, you know, throw up 400 pounds on the bench at like 5.30 in the morning. It's wild. Anyway, yeah, that dude's real deal. Um, he's done a really good job at Michigan. And uh, the players seem to love him. I mean, I, you know, we didn't get, it wasn't like they were interacting with him the whole time, but you definitely can tell he has their respect and they care about what he's saying. Did a good job speaking to the team. Uh, and the, the last thing I wanted to talk about, Chris, was I put up two articles from this and we can just kind of give our input back and forth a little bit. The first one that I put up was the off the bus first team. Like, okay, when you're getting ready to go to an away game, who are the first five dudes you want to send off the bus to in intimidate the other team? And then I kind of did the same thing with five freshmen because there were five freshmen there that we both kind of looked at each other like, damn, dude, I cannot believe these dudes are 18, 19 years old and haven't even played a down of college football yet. So we'll go through the first list first. And I think all five of them have a chance to have a pretty big impact on the team this year. Uh, and I know you're really, really high on Mike Morris and he's one of the dudes like he just looks like he's he's ready for that next step. I already mentioned it. Six, seven, two eighty. I know you love the dreads hanging out the back of the love helmet, it. which his dreads got caught in a cord in the cockpit of one of the helicopters, which probably was not crazy. the best idea for yeah. for flying around in a Chinook. Maybe Looked not great coming out of a football helmet. But I think he is poised to have a big year. And I know he's someone that you've been high on for quite a while. Yeah. I mean, he, like I said, he just, he looks the part. He, if, if we're doing, you know, first five off the bus, I think Mike Morris is probably first. He just, he looks every bit the part of a future first rounder. And it's just a matter of, 
is this the type of year where he puts it together? And, and you know, you go back and you look at a guy like David Ojabo. People were not talking about David Ojabo as, you know, a potential first round pick heading into the season. But that was something that he put in the work. He watched the blueprint. He kind of followed what Aiden Hutchinson was doing. And I think um, if Mike Morris follows that same path, he's got the chance to be something special. And, and yeah, Junior Colson is another one of those guys. I know we're going to go through the, the list here, but Mike Morris, certainly impressive up close and personal. Junebug was the next one I was going to go with, man. Junior Colson, the youngest guy on this list, just a true sophomore, played a lot of football last year. I see Matt here asking about the cast. Hi, Mom. There's my, my mom there saying hi to her. <laughs> uh, Matt is asking about the cast on Colston, Colston's, uh, Colson's getting me confused now because we're going to talk about Colston Loveland in a second, oh, too. Nice, yeah. But Junior Colson has the cast on his hand a little bit, but it's a small cast. It was like it stopped at the wrist, went around. I, I, I'm not a doctor. You guys probably know that, but I think it's a thumb deal because it, it's cut off real low at his fingers, and but it covers up the entire thumb and then stops below the wrist there. So I, I think he's probably... I would be shocked if he's not 100% good to go by the time camp rolls around. It just it didn't look like a big cumbersome thing. He's out there having fun doing the deal with everybody else. I wouldn't worry about that at all, but he did still have the cast on his hand uh during the event. But that that's a dude that is he might end up leading the team in snaps this year on defense. I mean, like I'd put him in that discussion. Uh yeah, and and I think the first time it really hit me was when we were at that Big 10 Champions camp. Um, in LaGrange, uh, yeah. what, I don't know how long ago that was at this point over a month ago, but seeing him in person and you look at the build and the makeup and again, looks like a guy who could be pushing to be a future first round pick. He's got the athleticism is off the charts. It's just a matter of, you know, does that injury slow him up a little bit? His Instagram page showed him today without a cast. Doing a they were doing so there you go. Right? Yeah. So. so there you go. Yeah. And, and I, I, Somebody asked about that a while ago. I never took it as an injury that was going to be anything that was going to keep him uh, from seeing the field. If anything, you might see some sort of club on the hand or whatever they need to do to wrap it and get it right. But, man, that is a guy that <laughs> if if you don't know Junior Colson as of today and you're a Michigan fan, you're definitely going to know about him by, I don't know, week two. Yeah, I would guess really early. Um, I would guess really early. As a true sophomore, I mean, he was the one guy. Get the hell out of here, Sharice. Get out. Sharice. Uh, some made up. Damn name. it, Sharice. Block City. Um, <laughs> the, the, the next guy, Chris, is a senior. We expect him to play a lot of snaps. He's going to need to play a lot of snaps. Thin up the middle on the defensive line. But, dude, I don't know what size shirt Mozzie Smith was wearing, but it wasn't big enough. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> But for all the right reasons, for yeah. all the right reasons, Dude, his arms were like, were like pinched off. Yeah. In the I, what's funny is we talked about him when we had him on the podcast and we were talking a little bit, you know, he, he mentioned how he was like struggling with his diet and Abigail helped get him right. And the way that he's been able to transform his body since he's been at the university of Michigan is impressive. And again, you get in the same room with him and you're like, this guy is an absolute animal and he can be as dominant as he wants to be if, if he applies himself. And I think this is a year where people are looking at Mozzie Smith and it does look a little bit thin on that interior. And you're sort of wondering who's going to be a guy that steps up. You lose a guy like Chris Hinton. I think Mozzie Smith. Yeah. AJ Cooper. You're right. He's a dog. That guy is, is this is bag season dog. for Mozzie year. He's a dog. Yes. Bag season. Uh, and he, and he has to be, he has to know that, that, that this is his time and he's got to step up and be the best player in that front seven yeah. or, or in the discussion, at least as one of the best players in that front seven, um, in order for Michigan's defense to, to be as, you know, as I, I don't know if it's going to be as effective as it was last year. That's a big question mark, but Mozzie Smith can go a long way to kind of securing that. And, and so can the next guy in. I, just, I don't know what it is about this kid, dude. I am so high on Jalen Harrell without even having seen him play that much. I don't know if it's the – dude, he's 6'4", 245. He wears a running back number. He just looks like he's fast. He looks like he's athletic. He looks like he can bend the corner. He looks like he can put pressure on the quarterback whenever he wants to. And he's my pick to lead the team in sacks. And he's another one, dude. When he comes – he came walking up, and I'm just like – Dude, there's your there's your starting rush edge that's going to replace Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo and and try to touch double digit sacks this year. I think he could have he could have that kind of season. Yeah, and he came on strong towards the end of last year. I know he had a couple big plays against o yeah against Ohio State. Um, I think he had a, a pretty decent outing in the college football playoff game. 
again, looks the part when you get in the same room next to this guy, you're like, this guy should be ripping heads off left and right. Um, but this is where I, I veered away from that list a little bit. I, I probably would have went with, and I know we talk about him a lot and it's not a big surprise, but it's Blake Corum for me. Well, yeah. That guy, just being around him, you can really tell that he has fully embraced the leadership role on this team. You can just see the way that guys interact with him. You can see it in the way he carries himself. He is, he's, he's a talented kid on the field, but he has definitely taken that. I think that leadership thing that he talked about when he was on the podcast, right? Where he was quiet and didn't really feel like he could speak up a lot. That's not Blake Corum this year. He's, he's entering with a totally different mindset. And I'm really excited to see what that results in on the field. Blake, we love you. Friend of the podcast, Michigan Nation absolutely adores number two. Can you be first team off the bus at 5'8"? I'm just asking. I'm just yeah, asking. you can. When you're a dog, when you're a dog, you can be first team off the bus. I can't he hope might, hey, he might be 5'8". I mean, dude, look at I mean, what he's put together. together. Yeah, there's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously being facetious, but there's, there, you know, there were some honorable mentions. There were quite a few other guys that looked really ready for the season to start. And uh, we just, I just tried to pick five. Just, well, he's actually, he made my honorable mention list. So I'm going to talk about him in a okay. minute. But the only offensive guy I had in my top five, and I saw someone throw his name up there earlier, was Zach Zinner. I mean, yeah. dude, when I see Zach Zinner, I mean, all of Michigan's linemen are big. You know, they're all six, five plus. They're all north of 300 pounds. But Zinner looks like he is a day away from having a 15 year NFL career. Like he just looks like he's just ready. He's ready for whatever you want to throw at him. And he's been doing that since he was a freshman. And, you know, what? whatever your opinion is of Josh Gaddis at this point, it's not every day you hear an offensive coordinator say your young guard is the best offensive player, the best player on the entire team. And that's what he said about Zach Zinner. I mean, he's a leader. He's played a ton of football already. He's durable. He he just is, his proportions are exactly what you want to see with the linemen. I think he's going to be in. I think he's going to be fantastic for Michigan this year, like he already has been. Not really a surprise for him because he's pretty much been that guy since he got to yeah. campus. But I think as he goes into year three here, it's 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 all systems go. <laughs> I'm just looking. Gary Klein wants uh, he wants the hammer walking out first, the sledgehammer first. <laughs> off, I'll tell you what, Jake Moody. Jake Moody was an entire uh, look. Uh, on Friday with the mustache and the aviators. I mean, he, I felt like he was like, he was he had there, a real to, he was there to apply. He was there to yeah. apply. I'm here to fly. That's what yes, he wanted he to do. So yeah, I mean, if he's going to cut his facial hair like that, sure. Send him off the bus. <laughs> and last but not least, the honorable mention that you brought up, Chris, Eric, all since yeah. he threw his name out there first, why, why was he a guy for you? I mean, again, this guy's played a ton. He's, he's a senior now. What's, what's the surprise it's, with him? I was Working the camera, he got off the bus. My 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 lens was on him, and that was the first thing I thought. I was like, "Damn, dude, this guy looks chiseled. Like he looks like he's he's put on some muscle." And just a guy that you look at his numbers, and you're kind of surprised, maybe a little bit by the lack of production. But it's a guy who has played a lot of football during his time at Michigan. And you know, if whoever the quarterback is, having a guy like Eric All out there is going to be a huge luxury this year, not just in the passing game, but also from a blocking standpoint as well. He looks like he's going to be able to shove some guys around this year. This is why I put him on the list because when Eric All got to Michigan, he was basically a glorified wide receiver. He was not thin, but he was a jump. He was a big wide receiver. That's what he played in high school. He, ne he almost was almost was never in line. He was split out a lot. And he just kind of, in fact, for most of the recruiting cycle, he was listed as a wide receiver only late in his senior year did his, his designation or his label get changed to tight end. So he's listed at six, four, two forty five, which actually isn't even as big as Luke Schoonmaker, but I'm with you. As soon as we saw him, he just looked, he looked like he's been in the weight room. He looked like he changed his body a little bit and was really like, like you said about Mozzie Smith bag season for him as well. Yeah. Fourth year senior flirted with the NFL a little bit last year and he's back and he, yeah, he's going to make plays for whoever the quarterback is. And I think he he's, he's definitely ready for that shifting gears a little bit, same kind of article, same kind of story, but I wanted to focus only on the freshman for the second part. And because, and, and the only reason, that Darius Clemens was on this list and not the other list is because he is a freshman because good Lord. Yeah. I can't believe the dude's 19 years old and getting ready to play his first season of college football. 
if you took him to a random group of of football fans that didn't know about Michigan, didn't know about Darius Clemens and said, Oh yeah, that dude right there, he's going to show out at the combine, man. He's going to tear up the NFL combine. They would 100% believe you dude is a man. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and when you see that it's even more reason, I mean, you, you know, you get around all the athletes like Roman Wilson and AJ Henning and those guys. And you're like, use these guys. Yeah. And then you see a guy like Darius Clemens and you're like, use these guys. I think that's probably one of the, you know, the thing that people feel the most confident about heading into the year is the wide receiver group and the, and, and the athletes that they have out there on the edge. Um, he is certainly one of the more impressive ones. There's no doubt about it. So it's interesting. I have, I have four of the five guys on my list all in the same boat. And I'm going to tell you what that boat is. And it's, it's a boat that's crowded. It's like Darius Clemens looks like dude could do, could catch 50 balls for 800 yards and seven touchdowns this year. But I don't even know how much he's going to be needed. You've got Ronnie Bell. You've got Rowan Wilson. You've got AJ Henning. You've got Cornelius Johnson. You've got Andrew Anthony. Like, dude, that's five legitimate, like good enough to be number one or number two guys in the big 10. And then you've got this freshman Darius Clemens who looks like, you know, he, he was built in a laboratory to play wide receiver. It's like, when are you going to find the ball for that guy? And that I'm going to, I'm going to go right into Omari on Walker, who also made my list. And I think he's a little bit of a surprise. I'm going to tell you why he's thin. He's still a little bit thin. And when he was coming out of high school, he was thin, but I was actually impressed by how he, how he looked, how long he was, dude. He's, he's all of six, five. He's listed at six, four, 185, but I think I guarantee he's heavier than that now. He's an early enrollee, so you know he's been in the weight room, you working, and he he just dude walking around in even a t-shirt at this event. I started looking at him. I'm like, I could see that guy going up and grabbing a ball off someone's head a foot above where they're able to reach. Like yeah, he just yeah. looks like he's gonna be a problem downfield, but I don't know if we're even gonna see him this year because I just named five returners and Darius Clemens, who all look like they they are ready to make plays. So I don't know where Omarion Walker fits. But I put him in that same boat as being physically ready. Just might not see him a lot this year. And and don't forget, I don't know where he ranked, but Blake Corum was like third or fourth on re on returning players and receptions last year. So there you have another guy. I mean, they throw to the running backs a lot as well. You're right. I just don't. <clears throat> I love having all of these weapons, but you're definitely not going to see. I mean, Andrew Anthony. How many receptions did he have last year? Ten. It was like ten or twelve. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, dude, but when you put six foot four Darius Clemens, who's just yoked up, and then you put six foot five Omarion Walker, who's just long and lean and looks like he could just spread the field with ease. And if you remember, Jim Harbaugh singled him out as one of the freakiest dudes on the team in the spring when it comes to jumping and running yeah. and fluidity and body contortions and making contested catches. He talked about Omarion Walker as being a freak. So, Again, maybe not as touted, maybe not as talked about as Clemens at this point, but I, I just I love how he looked. It's been really my first time seeing these freshmen up close like that. Yes, we did get a look at some of them in the spring game, but it's not the same as being down on the ground with them when they yeah. walk by you and you're like, good God, that's a big dude. Like You really get a sense of what these guys look like. The other guy I want to talk about is in a, a loaded tight end group, Colston Loveland. We saw him make a big play in the spring game, and it looks like he's somebody who could contribute if needed. How much is he going to play with Eric all and Luke Schoonmaker being out there? I, I don't know if he's going to see the field that much, but I remember thinking about Colston Loveland when he was in high school, he had the shaggy hair. He's from Idaho. He's a little bit skinny and dude, he comes walking up at this event. He's got the high fade and there's mustache about him. Yeah. A little, little, little peach fuzz down. He just looked ready, dude. He looked ready to ball out. Nothing skinny about him. He's listed at two 30. I'd be shocked if he wasn't two forty or higher at this point after being, being enrolled since January. And again, we saw him make a play in the spring game. He's long, he's athletic, he's got the size. And again, you look at a dude and you're just like, I cannot believe this kid's never played a down of college football before. It's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, I was in the, I was in the weapons training room with him. And so I got to see, you know, he was, he was holding up the machine gun, the, you know, the pipes were out. I mean, <clears throat> if, if, He's not going to be playing football. The guy looks like he's ready for like uh, modern warfare. I mean, he just, he doesn't look like a true freshman. The guy looks like he's already been playing college ball for a little while. And that's exactly what you want to see out of your freshman. And I'm going to let you take this one and run with him because you've been high on him since you saw him in person. You got some good shots of him, but again, probably not going to see him on the field at all. 
unless he switches positions, which is something that was discussed through his recruitment. Dude, but Alex Orgy is a rock. I mean, the dude is a rocket. He's listed at 6'2", 226, and you you just thought, like, dude, that guy needs to be what, out did, what, what did Jim Harbaugh say? He called him Herschel Walker, who, who can throw, yeah. right? Basically yeah. that. And, I mean, that's, that's what he looks like. He's – I mean, he's got the build. He's got the look, the way he carries himself. And, you know, we're talking, like – Cade McNamara, JJ McCarthy, who's going to be in the 2023 class. And you got a guy like Alex Orgy who you, you get next to him. You're like, this guy is a physical specimen. I mean, if he can sling the ball around, that's Michigan is so deep on the offensive side of the ball in terms of skill positions. I you're right. Probably not going to see any of him this year, but I don't know, man. I, I, I kind of want to see him stay at the quarterback position. I like the idea of, an athletic freak back there who can just change the game based on athleticism alone. I think if you can bring that element, everything else just becomes easier because now the defense has to second guess everything. So my hope, no, no, not to tight end. He doesn't, I don't think he has that kind of, not even that kind of height, right? No, if no. anything, it would be maybe somewhere in the backfield or at linebacker. Would I was going to say, he's like, yeah. He, Dude, I mean, and I'm not trying to disparage him. He's a bigger, more athletic Mike Barrett. That's who. He, that's what. Yeah, Mike Barrett was a dual threat quarterback in high school. Ran all over the place, and he's he's been really good at Michigan. He's done a lot of different things at Michigan. He's been on the return teams. He's he's done a lot on special teams. He's played linebacker. He's played in the offensive backfield. I mean, he's done a lot of different things. I think Orgy is kind of cut from that same cloth. It's just you just like you said, you'd hate to see the potential maybe wasted if he just doesn't really have a spot or if he stays at quarterback and can't win, you know, can't beat out a guy like JJ McCarthy. I was going to say, think about it, right? Let's, let's just assume that Cade gets the nod at the beginning of the year, which I think we all believe is going to happen plays for most of the year. And then you've got JJ for another two years. I mean, so you're, you know, you're three, potentially four years out. If you're a guy like Alex Orgy sort of waiting in line. And so that's why I'm not too worried about the quarterback situation yet. We've got, and there's a lot of longevity in that locker room right now at that position. And there's another quarterback in his own class in Jane Denegal. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, he's, he's a freshman too. He's not ready right now, but he's not even the only class quarterback in his own recruiting class. So how about yeah. the quarterback that looked the best at the spring game? Davis Warren, right? <laughs> that go. guy can sling the ball around. Too. I mean, you know, so I know that people are, people are a little bit worked up about the quarterback situation in the 2023 class and I get it, but I mean, Bigger fish to fry in terms of the people that are already there. And last but certainly not least, because I think he might actually be the one we see the most in the regular season, and that's Derek Moore, the defensive end out of Baltimore St. Francis. Yep. I mean, dude, he's listed at 6'4, 250. He's long, he's high cut, he's got the he's got the motor, he's got the athleticism. That's another dude. When he walked by us, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way that kid doesn't turn 20 years old until December. It's impossible. But yeah. that's that's the deal with him. I you know you, he's got the number eight, the single digit number for a DN just looks mean, and he looks yeah. ready to play. And there and there's de- there's there's a depth issue there. So he's the kind of guy that could get on the field and make some plays and get some reps. Uh, whereas I just don't know what we're going to see out of the other four. You've got a, two wide receivers in an already loaded room, a tight end in a loaded room, and a quarterback who might not even stay at the position. So I think out of this five, if you're going to see any of them the most, it might be Derek Moore. Yeah, I agree. And by the way, he's a phenomenal photographer. He's the guy that got the shot of me hanging out the back of the Chinook. And so, yeah, Derek Moore, uh, during the spring game, I was actually down on the sideline. I was taking photographs, saw him up close and personal with the shoulder pads on. You're right. The single digit, the dude looks like a grown ass man out there. And so, yeah, extremely impressed by Derek Moore. And I feel like he, he flashed in the spring game. He was yeah. you know, getting yeah. in the backfield, making some plays, and, you know, people are kind of already talking about his his potential and his future. Blake Corum knows him well as a Baltimore St. Francis guy. Uh, I, I feel like Blake has said stuff about him in the past about his work ethic and his, his attacking the weight room and stuff like that. So I just think yeah. the sky's the limit for him, and he's already ready. He's ready to play right now, as are those other four guys. All right, Chris, I'm going to throw it to you. Do you want to go Do you want to go Harbaugh? I know you've got a tiny, a tiny little soapbox. I don't know how – how big you want to make it a little bit of a soapbox or the JJ thing that you threw up on the Facebook page that you just, I don't know. Was it, was it super unbelievable or surprising that it came out the way? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go right now? 
Let's go. Let's go straight to the quarterback battle. Let's just go okay. to it. Let's. So <clears throat> here's here's what I'm gonna. Let's just start it out this way. I wanna. I'm gonna pose this question to you, and then we'll get into like the details and you know what some of the numbers were in, in the poll that I put out. But Cade McNamara, a guy who helped Michigan beat Ohio State, a guy who helped Michigan not just get to a Big Ten championship but win a Big Ten championship, get to the college football playoff. He was also uh, recently selected to be one of four representatives for Michigan at Big Ten Media Days. Helped Michigan get just their third 12-win program in season history. Ar- arguably their, their, their second most successful season, I think, in program history, you could say. Yet, Cade McNamara is nowhere to be found on the Davey O'Brien watch list. And there's five other Big Ten quarterbacks that are, and I can name them. Sean Clifford at Penn State. Peyton Thorne of Michigan State, Tagovailoa out at Maryland, C.J. Stroud at OSU, and Aiden O'Connell at Purdue. But yet, Cade McNamara is not on that list. I put out a poll today. Over 71% of the people that responded to that poll, over, you know, we had like 1,200, 1,300 responses. 71% think it's time for J.J., think it's time for the other guy. And so my question to you, Brandon, is, and we talked about this earlier, is Cade McNamara the most disrespected college quarterback in America. <laughs> I mean, obviously I don't know the situation in and out everywhere else. Like I do here at Michigan, but that is look, you and I have both been pretty outspoken about how excited we think things could be with JJ McCarthy, the the arm talent, the added, the added element of being able to run the athleticism and speed as a runner, what that could do to the whole offense. But ready to put Cade on the bench is is a a shockingly high. It's overwhelming. Yes, it is an overwhelming number. I can't say I disagree with the sentiment because I've been pretty, I've been a pretty big advocate for JJ McCarthy for those reasons I just named. So is it, oh man, dude, I feel like (laughs) a dick bag. Is it bad that it doesn't really hit me as disrespect? It doesn't. Yeah, well, see, that, that's what I struggle with, too. Like, I here's the thing. I feel like you know where I stand on J.J. McCarthy. I think he's the guy. I, I side with the 71% out there who think it's it's time to make that move. But there is another part of me that genuinely, like, looks at the situation with Cade McNamara and thinks, damn, like, how, how did we how did we get there? Like, how does a guy who helps the team accomplish so much have 71% of the fan base think he's not the guy? And I think for most of those fans, they watched every single game and they understand, you know, some of the nuances there and they understand the greatness of Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo and some of the other things that definitely helped contribute to the success of, of Michigan's 2021 season. But if I'm Cade McNamara, I am sure as hell feeling like there is a ton of disrespect. I'm not showing up on lists out there, preseason watch lists. 71% of the fan base thinks I shouldn't even have the job. If I'm that guy, I'm going into fall camp looking to prove everybody wrong with a huge chip on my shoulder. And maybe that plays to Michigan's favor. Maybe you see something out of Cade that you didn't see last year. The last point I want to make on this and and. I don't know if this is a fair criticism of Kate or not, and maybe you can help shed some light on this. I don't know if Michigan's offense last year was a product of Cade McNamara or if Cade McNamara just played within the offense that was given to him. And the reason I say that is because if you make a switch at quarterback and you put JJ out there and you ask him to essentially do the same things that you asked Cade McNamara to do, I don't think there's going to be too much of a difference. Now, JJ is going to go out and make plays. And we saw that he's got that in him, but I wonder like, did the offense look the way it did because Cade McNamara has certain limitations at, uh, at quarterback or is that just the way Harbaugh wants to play ball? And if so, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference who's back there. It's it's the age-old question. It's what we've been asking since the season ended. Was the offense limited by Cade McNamara, or was Cade McNamara limited by the offense? That's what it is. Right. That, that's, that's what it is, because the production wasn't there. That's a fact, right? The production was not there. And that's it still led to 12 wins. It still led to a win over Ohio State, Big Ten title, college football playoff. I get it. But the production on a quarterback level, on a wide receiver level, was not there. And that's why you're seeing Michigan spurned by the top quarterback recruits and the top wide receiver recruits in the country. 
quarterbacks that are five stars that want to make it to the NFL don't want to throw the ball 16 times in a game and hand the ball off 49 times. They don't want to do it. I don't have an answer. I, I really don't. Because if you cherry pick some of Cade McNamara's best throws, they're freaking dimes. Like yeah. he has some beautiful throws last year, but, but they're also pretty few and far between. And he doesn't have the velocity that, that JJ does. And he's not the athlete that JJ is. Those are just facts, man. Like, and that's okay because we all know that if it was about having the biggest arm and the biggest body and the best feet, Joe Milton would have won three Heisman's by now, but he couldn't hack it anywhere. These are all arguments that have been going on for several years at Michigan under Jim Harbaugh with his quarterbacks. This isn't really anything new it, but there is a new dynamic because we saw, I don't even really want to call it like a two quarterback system because it wasn't, but like JJ played, he played some, he was able to come in, he ran the ball here and there. He made some incredible throws. I mean, dude, there are, I can think of two throws right off the top of my head that if you put them on a highlight tape for an NFL scout and they're saying, give me that guy, I, I want him right now. And that was his true freshman year when he's only throwing the ball once or twice a game. Once, Right over the cornerback and in front of the safety up the sideline to Roman Wilson in bad conditions. OSU. Yeah. And then an absolute dart that about took Eric all to another dimension in the playoff game against Georgia, where it went in between three to four bulldog defenders and absolutely tattooed Eric all right between the eight and the three. Yeah. So there, there are just some things that are in both games that you cannot, both of their games that you cannot deny. You have the results in the win-loss category with Cade McNamara, although the production's not very strong. And you have the undeniable talent in J.J. McCarthy and the unlimited potential with all the weapons, but we don't know how it's going to go. And so I, I don't really know how to answer that question, whether it's Cade limiting the offense or the offense limiting Cade. Because you're right. If they put J.J. out there and just ask him to hand it off 50 times a game, what's it, what's it really going to do? And now... Now you throw in the new wrinkle. Oh, it's a new OC. Oh, you don't have Hassan Haskins picking up a freaking first down every time you give him the ball. I mean, don't get me wrong. Michigan's running backs are outstanding, but it's it's different. It's going to be completely different this year, and that's why this discussion is going to rage on and on and on until September 3rd. I just don't know how you answer it right now. Well, and, I, and I'll answer uh, Sean Bennett. Yeah. Am I against uh, two quarterbacks? Yeah, I'm 100% against a two quarterback system. I, I think Brandon is. And and JJ, by his own admission, when we did the sit-down interview with him, admitted that having to split reps at the quarterback position was a difficult, difficult thing to do. And so I don't even think it's ideal. You know, JJ will do what's asked of him because he's a team player. Cade will do the same. But make no mistake, neither one of those guys want to be splitting reps with the other guy. That's just the way that this is. So I think you got to pick one guy and you got to roll with it. And and to me, it it ultimately comes down to, I just, I feel like Michigan can win a big 10 title with Cade, but I don't, I don't see national championship being a realistic possibility with him. I think if you, if you get to that level and you saw a little bit of it against Georgia, once you get to that level, you've got to have a guy at that position who's a difference maker, who can make some things happen, unless you're a Stetson Bennett who has an all-world Georgia defense that comes along once every 10 years or so. I think at the end of the day, Michigan is going to have to have a playmaker at that position if they want to get over the hump and get back to the college football playoff this year. But at the same time, it's a risk, it's a gamble, and if I'm Cade McNamara, I sure as hell feel a tremendous amount of disrespect, and that's fueling me all summer, all fall, and and hopefully it leads to something special this fall because I think you and I are in agreement that we we think he's going to be the guy that gets the nod. What happens if we went out, huh? <laughs> there it is. Why you do? There it is. Uh, you know what, dude? I think we're sugarcoating it a little bit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cowboy I'm gonna put it up there. I'm gonna agree with Bryant. I do. I do think Cade is limiting the offense. I if, if I'm picking yeah. one way or the other on that slider, Cade limiting the offense or the offense limiting Cade, I'm leaning towards towards that. I think Cade is limited physically. He's not the athlete running the ball, and he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, and he's not a gambler. And yeah, gambling can get you in trouble sometimes, but if you're really freaking talented and good, and you know what you're doing, taking gambles can also make you dynamic. And I think that's what well, J.J. McCarthy is, and, and I think that's what a lot of people think he is. 
And I think the evidence in that is look at how JJ was used last year and what he came in to do in certain packages, which is to do a read option or to do something that Cade's just not equipped to do. And so this goes back to what we talked about a lot last year. I saw Cade McNamara do things that I know for a fact JJ McCarthy can do. But I saw JJ McCarthy do things that I know for a fact Cade McNamara cannot do. I just know that for a fact. You, you, I've seen enough of those guys play that Cade McNamara is not going to be somebody that's going to torture you with his feet. JJ has that in him. JJ's got the playmaking ability, run to one side of the field, throw it across your body 60 yards to the other side on a dime. JJ just brings, it's not a knock against Cade so much as it is JJ just has an, another weapon in his bag of tricks that Cade doesn't have. And I think when you get late into the season, you need somebody that can dip into those bag of tricks. And and look, things worked great for Michigan in 2021 with Cade McNamara at the helm, but you also had a couple of superstars on the defensive side and you lost a hell of a lot of experience. And I think it's going to be a different equation this year. And personally, I just think they need a playmaker, not a guy who plays within a system. It's July 20th, dude. Probably going to be the last time we talk about it, though. Probably. We'll I don't just think put, it, put a nail in it right here. Let's we'll put a bow on that one. This we'll course has been through. beaten, correct? Yeah. No, here's the deal. It's going to lead me into our final topic of discussion as we get ready to preview the Big Ten media days that are coming up in less than one week. Michigan will be on Wednesday of that week. I think that I think it's a week from today, is it not? Yeah, July 27th, Michigan uh, players and Jim Harbaugh will speak. It is the aforementioned Cade McNamara, DJ Turner, Eric All and who am I forgetting? There's a fourth guy. Ma, uh, no, it wasn't Mozzie. Was it Mozzie uh, Smith? It was Mozzie. Yeah, Mozzie. Yeah, um, I just wanted to give a quick thought on the four in there. Um, obviously, here, well, I'm going to do the first three, and then I'm going to give my opinion on Cade, and then we can we can spitball from there. Yeah. Um, Eric All, DJ Turner. From what I've seen in the past, not the most long-winded, don't give the most in-depth answers, but senior dudes played a lot of football, going to play massive roles in their positions uh, uh, this year. So I, I get that. I get that completely. I don't know if we're going to get incredible stuff from them, but they're comfortable. They've done it for a long time. They have no problem speaking in front of people. And this this is not a knock on people. Like, look, dude, everybody you meet in every walk of life, some people can get up and riff and talk and do stuff all day long, and others just don't do that. Yeah. And so there's a different dynamic. And I, I think that DJ Turner and Eric Hall are a little on the quieter side. Mozzie Smith, on the other hand, gives phenomenal answers. I love how he answers questions. He's been that way since he was in high school. He's got a big personality. He's going to laugh. He's going to smile. He's going to give you everything that makes him him. And I think he's he was one that we got right when we 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 yeah, predicted cool. who was going to be there. I was like, I bet Mozzie's going to go. I mean, you might have said it first. Whoever it was, we both agreed. Like, yeah, that's going to be a dude that's there. And then you've got Cade McNamara, right? Your starting quarterback from last year. He's now a senior. Kind of a no-brainer to take. And this is what this is my this is the point I was trying to think of before the pod started, Chris. This was it. If Cade McNamara comes to Mich comes to Big Ten Media Days representing Michigan, it's not a story. He's a senior. He was your starter last year. He played every game. He won a lot. There's going to be some questions about JJ. They're going to ask Cade. They're going to ask Jim Harbaugh. But it's not a big deal that Cade McNamara is there. If Cade McNamara doesn't go, it's the biggest story of the entire summer. So the fact that he's there, I really don't think it – I don't even think it means anything. I okay, really so don't. that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think that was a nod to what might happen, or do you think it was – I don't. This guy did something special last year. He's a senior. He's going to go and represent us. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I think, listen, we've talked about this before. If we want to close with a little rant by you, I would, I'm, I'm praying for your rant, dude, because we had a great one before we started here. But I, th I hope that someone got in Jim Harbaugh's ear and at least said like, chief coach, you got, you got to take paid. I don't, I don't know what you're, th I don't know if you, if you, Jim, if you think JJ's the starter even right now today, for sure, you still got to take Cade. You got to take him. You got to take him to Big Ten Media Days. I don't know if that conversation happened, but I would hope that somewhere in that building, there's somebody who has enough sense that says, you got to take 12, dude. You got to take him. You can't not take him because if you don't, it's an absolutely massive story. And yeah, somebody's bringing up the fact that Shea wasn't there, but it wasn't like Shea was being chased down by other players. It was pretty much Shea's job. Right. It's... I, I mean, we both think that Cade's probably going to get the nod. 
whether we b- agree with that or not. But if he doesn't go to Big Ten media days, that's a story, and it's a big story. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, they only usually take three players. So the fact that the Michigan's taking four this year, I don't know if they're changing the format a little bit, but last year it was just Josh Ross, Aiden Hutchinson, and Hassan Haskins. And I'm pretty sure every other program only brought three guys too. So I'm a little curious as to why it's four this year. But anyway, Cade's got to go. It's a non-story with him being there. He'll be asked about it. Jim Harbaugh will be asked about the quarterback situation, but if he's not there, there's no other questions. It's like they will be peppered over and over and over. I mean, even like, you know, even Mozzie Smith, who plays defensive tackle, they're going to be like, so what'd you see out of Caden JJ? Why? (laughs) That's all it would have been. So you've got to, you've got to have Cade there and and Cade's going to do great. I gave my opinion on the other three talking. Cade is phenomenal in front of the microphone. He's going to be fine. Every question he gets, whether it's about the quarterback battle or whatever, whatever, he's going to answer it correctly. He's not going to be. Should I ask him? Should I ask him about that seventy-one percent number? Maybe we'll ask him about that and just and and see, yeah, and see what see what he thinks of that. Because I would be interested. I mean, look, I don't want to get. I don't want to go drive all the way to Indy just to ask some stupid ass questions. Like, are you excited about the year coming up? I feel like if we're going to go there and invest our time. We should be asking the right questions, and I, um, I am curious. Blue, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to do that down there. Yeah. I want to know, like, you know, is that something that you think? Is he even aware of that? He has to be aware of that, right? You think? You think he's aware of the sentiment that's out there? I don't know how he couldn't be. I don't know how he couldn't be. I don't know what it's like in that locker room. I don't know what it's like. You know, the little clicks that form. You know, the the, yeah. the, the, the play, like skill players hanging out with JJ. Are they hanging out with Cade? Who you know? I don't know, man. I don't know what that looks like. And that's the kind of stuff you're not going to ask about. You don't want to be too divisive. I like asking hard hitting questions and good stuff that people want to know, but you're, you're not going to ask about that. We're not, nobody's going in there to try to drive a wedge between the players and, and try to, you know, create some narrative that might not even be there. I don't know. Maybe it's not. You said it yourself, dude. JJ is, he's built to do whatever he's asked to do at a high level. And I actually think Cade is too. I mean, dude, if they go to JJ this year, there's no question that Cade would be crushed by that after the season he yeah. just had. But I still think he's going to come up, come and show show up and go to work and be ready to come in as the backup if that's how it plays out. So I think they're both very mature dudes. I think they're both really good leaders in their own way. They're a little different how they go about it, but I'm I'm curious to see how it looks. I'm curious to see how much he is asked about it, how much... Jim Harbaugh's asked about it, but I can guarantee you it's going to be a lot less than if Cade McNamara had not been brought to Indianapolis. There's no question. And you know what? If somebody gave Jim Harbaugh that advice, whoever that person is that's that's designated to just make sure that they're giving sound advice to Jim Harbaugh, making sure his handler, if you will, that person's been MIA for a little while over the summer. We need to talk to that person. Are Who's we, that person? Are we going? Is the rant starting? No, I'm not going to start the rant. I'll just hey, listen. Ah. Th- th- we're we're at the end of the show here. Listen, I I don't want to do it because Michigan <laughs> Michigan had one hell of a 2021 season. Jim Harbaugh finally did what we all hoped he would do. But I will say this: if you were scripting how to have a shitty off season coming off of one of your best seasons. <laughs> Just, I mean, I sent you the bullet points. You yeah. know, you lose your OC who trashes your program on the way out or, or basically the people that are running it. You lose your DC. You interview for an NFL job on National Signing Day. You bring Kaepernick to the spring game, which I don't care where you stand on it. You're going to piss half the people off and you're going to make half the people happy. Then you go speak at a pro-life event. You're going to piss half the people off. You're going to make half the people happy. I just, I look at all these things during the off season. I'm like, why, why are we continuously shooting ourselves in the foot here? Like, can't we just capitalize as a fan? I'm thinking this can't Michigan just capitalize on all of that great momentum it created in 2021. And we'll see how it plays out. We'll, we'll see what it looks like, but man, not, not the most ideal off season coming off of a big 10 championship season. That's all I'll say. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Breiler is in a new boat. He is in a new boat. Chris Breiler is paddling a little differently these days. And I, for one, am here for it. I'm here for it. I, can we just, can we just, can we just get like a string of good decisions and good news and trending for the right, for the right reasons? That's, that's what I want to see. Look, I, I, 
I understand that these are all individual guys who have their individual beliefs and they're going to do whatever. Guess what? I don't give a shit. I'm a Michigan football fan and I want what's best for the program. And I look at some of the things that have happened during this offseason and I ask myself, is that good for the program? Probably not. And I just think, I, I think, <laughs> I think they squandered momentum and it pisses me off and I We're can't help it. We're coming up on the 55 minute mark, so we're not going to launch all the way into this. But Chris, you said something to me that really resonated before we got on here. And you're like, look, for all the people out there who want to talk about NIL money and recruits getting paid and how that could really upset the apple cart and ruin chemistry inside of a locker room. There's been some other things that have gone on this offseason that, that certainly could do the same thing and probably on a more serious level. And a lot of it's been initiated by Jim Harbaugh. And yeah. like, you know, again, like you said, not really concerned with turning this into a political debate where you stand on this issue or that issue or doesn't what matter. doesn't matter. And Harbaugh, do whatever you want. Think whatever you want. Feel whatever you want. But championing it from a mountaintop and speaking, you know, outwardly and aggressively about some of these things, going back to the, the bow stuff. I mean, it's been all off season, man. You'd made a pretty long list about all the things that, you know, you, dude, part of what our job is, is following these guys on social media, these players, we, you know, we send them the photos, we post the, the content that we create. So we also see how they feel about a lot of stuff. And, you know, I mean, it's Ann Arbor, man, it's liberal. These dudes are 20, 21 years old. A lot of them minorities, like you gotta, I don't know, man, it, you're right, dude. There, there has just been if you want to teach a class on how not to kick ass in the off season after having a phenomenal season. Yeah. And, and see, that's the thing. Like people want to argue and get in the, into the mud about whether or not, you know, he should be saying what he said or he shouldn't be. And, and to me, it, it all boils down to, I don't care about the politics of it all. I care right. about what type of impact affect? is it possibly going to have on the Michigan football yep. team? And, and that was the point, like you said, that we were talking about before. Everybody's so up in arms about NIL and what's it going to do to the locker room and paying these guys is going to destroy this. This type of shit also matters. And so if you're concerned about the locker room that much to where you're worried about what dollars and cents are going to do, you should probably be pretty concerned about, you know, your head coach taking a hard stance on an extremely controversial issue that <laughs> – it, people are not going to change their minds on it. It is a hot button issue. You could see it in the comment section when I put the article up on Facebook. That's just the way it goes. And so I feel like we, we have and to again, cover that. And again, we haven't said one thing about the actual topic at hand. It's just the I fact don't care. that, yeah, we, I don't care. Do what you do. Think what you want to think. Uh, we've, we've, I feel like you and I have done a good job of talking about some of these things and tackling some of these issues without, you know, alienating anybody. That's all I'm trying to do. But again, this goes back to like, what's this doing to the chemistry of the team, the culture that from everything that we heard was at an all time high last year, after maybe being at an all time low the yep. year before 2020 was broken and, and well, they said it. I mean, yeah, they, they said, it. said it. You personally took a shitload of heat for questioning whether or not there were issues in the locker room. And then guess what? We have players on our podcast who say we had energy vampires. We had people here who were pushing the wrong way or, or not working towards our goals. It, they confirmed it. And so they got it fixed last year. They had they it, got it fixed long. last year, but I think people, you know, it's not, it, it's not just NIL dollars and it's not just, look, it's, it's not like a kid's going to not commit some, to Michigan because of what Jim Harbaugh said in that specific instance. What I'm referring to is a collection of decisions throughout the off season that I think just might be in the best interest of Jim Harbaugh because that's what he wants to do, but not necessarily in the best interest of the Michigan football program. And if I see that, I'm going to say it. And that's just the way that we operate. I think he's done a lot in this offseason that has worked against everything he spent the first seven yard, this first seven years trying to build. And as a fan, I'm a little bit disappointed in that. I wish this offseason would have been, you know what? We finally did what we want to do. We're going to hit the ground running. This is business. This is football. We this is a machine now. And it just seemed like he kind of used it as an opportunity to try to get elsewhere. And when it didn't happen, you know. We find ourselves back here and we're having these conversations about, you know, Jim being Jim. Like it, when you invite Kaepernick and when you do a pro-life speech, that right there shows that Jim doesn't give a shit about what anybody outside of him thinks because that's going to piss a lot of people off, but it's what he wants to do. And I, I feel like there's got to be a better balance, man. I feel like 
in his position, it's just, it's a weird way to go about things. Yeah. And, and Cody kind of hit it on the head. If Harbaugh doesn't repeat the success, th this offseason is going to get a lot. There's of, no question. going to get a lot of blame and probably rightfully so. But, you know, if you're asking me right now on July 20th, I don't think we're going to have to worry about that because I think Michigan's going to whoop a lot of people's asses this year. And I think they're going to be favored in 11 of 12 yep. games. So it might all be a moot point because I really do think that Michigan's going to be really good on the field this year. They're going to storm out to 4-0. They go to Iowa City, which we think is going to be a, a noon game now at this point based on the scheduling and the TV that's already been set. So that changes that game in a major way. Michigan beat them by 40, by the way, last year in the Big Ten championship game. Revenge, then, revenge game for Iowa? I don't know if Iowa's equipped to do that. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Kinnick might oh. be equipped to do that. Yeah, we'll see. Kinnick can make up for a lot. We'll see. Anyway, I mean, that's a full show, dude. That's a full show right there talking about the yeah. uh, the event that we went to, uh, the event that's coming up. Super excited to be an indie man for the Big Ten Media Days. Chris's second one ever. My, I think this is my sixth Big Ten Media Days, but only the second one in Indianapolis. Used to be in Chicago. We've got a couple new people going with us. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we're there, um, but I'm excited for it. I mean, as of right now, Chris, I would say... I feel okay about saying we will do a, a show on location. What do you think about that? Because it'll be Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'll be Wednesday while we're there. That will, you know, that could potentially eat into our uh that could potentially eat into our return trip home. And it's not exactly a you know, it's a four hour drive. So we're gonna want to be timely with it. Maybe we'll do the pod on Tuesday before we do the Michigan stuff, but it, it does make sense to do it afterwards, right? Don't you yeah, think? Yeah, I think so. So we'll figure that out. But thanks everybody for being here tonight. Hopefully my uh, my county jail cell was good for everybody visually. I love the day. A little hotter. Back to your cell. Back to your cell. I feel like I'm looking a little shiny. It's a little warmer in here than it is in my basement at home. But uh, I really enjoyed that show. I felt like we've got a lot in there. Uh, I had a couple a lot other, packed into that show, man. I had a couple other things written down that we didn't even get to because we just kept rolling on stuff. But there's an hour, man. Filled to the brim as usual. Chris, thanks for it again. Everybody, thanks for listening. We will be back again on Wednesday live from Indianapolis. We'll do it live. Is that a drop?